popped it into Jesse's mouth. The silver line raced to 103. Behind the house, the door to the cellar rested flat like a great book on a lectern. Her mother leaned over, grasped the handle, raised the door, and let it drop with a crash. They felt their way along the stone steps. Dazzled by the dark, Jessie saw nothing except her father's roll-away cot. When her mother wanted to argue, her father retreated to this place for a nap. Now her mother was tucking Jessie in and drawing the quilt over her. "'You rest, Jessie. You'll feel cooler here. I'll leave the door open. Can I get you anything before I go?' "'Cold water. I want some cold water.' Her mother's bulk in the doorway shut out the light for an instant before she slipped over the rim of the stairs. Jessie lay perfectly still, and little by little the world came back to her. The old kitchen table with its red oilcloth cover, to which her father had clamped the grinding wheel he used for sharpening knives. In the center of the table gleamed her mother's snow globe, the globe held a white-haired man driving a dog-sled. The fine white script running around the base read, The Dog Star Man, Souvenir of Drowning Bear, Wisconsin. When Jessie was small, she had confused the Dog Star Man with Santa Claus. Oh, he's not as famous as Santa Claus, her mother had said. The Dog Star Man is only famous in Drowning Bear. Shaking the globe could bring on a blizzard, which ended in lazy white tides that drifted around the dog's paws. A single bulb dangled from the ceiling, waiting for light to infuse it. Behind her stretched the darkness, crammed with sauerkraut tubs, jars of canned tomatoes and cherries, a blue milking stool, the marble top of a parlor table, and a large round mirror. The rollaway stood at the edge of a pool of light. Across the open door, over her head, a bird darted. Jessie fell asleep to the voices of her mother and her little sister, Ida, calling to each other across the yard, parted by plum and cherry dropping their blossoms, asparagus sending forth its misty wands behind the beehives. A crash roused her. The wind was roaring and the cellar door flapped in the wind like a mad wing. Jessie crawled out of bed, terrified. The darkness around her was so great she feared she had gone blind, till she saw, in the ashen air overhead, a white turkey and a wooden lawn chair whirl past, and she felt herself tugged toward the upper world. She clawed at the kitchen table. With a wrenching creak, it shrugged off the grinding wheel and whirled up the stairs and vanished. The wheel landed upright on the floor, as if set there on purpose. Jessie fled further back into the darkness and eased herself into the crawl space between the canned cherries and the sepulchral tabletop. Then her heart nearly stopped beating. Behind her, a phosphorescent light woke the jars, the glazed crocks, the dusty shelves. Her father's grinding wheel was spinning and humming to itself. 
Wrapped in the mossy glow, a tall figure was tossing its head like a horse in a field. By pasture light, by the shimmer of wheat bowing under a hot sky, she caught a glimpse of its face, hawk-beaked and full of news of the earth loved from far off. As it arranged its wings to fit the low space, its huge black eyes stared past her. The light of its vanishing showed her a glass of water beside the globe on the floor where the table had stood. In the upper world the air grew still, the light returned, the full moon gleamed in the exhausted sky. The cellar smelled clean and sweet as a new-mown field. Clutching the globe, Jessie crawled up the cellar steps. A huge limb from one of the butternut trees had fallen into the yard, leaving a crow's nest hidden at the top exposed. In the